Would you turn with me to uh, two openings, please, this morning? John 13 and First uh, John 3. John 13, First John 3. Glad to see everybody this morning. Glad you made it out. How many little Christians ought to be in church? Yeah, should be. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we go on today, but a lot of folk that profess to be Christians just don't see the need of going to church, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that today, so maybe you can help some of your friends that, that feel that way. Certainly not everybody's supposed to come to this church, not everybody could, but uh, you're supposed to be hooked up somewhere, amen, in a family somewhere. Church is, is not... Uh, you have business of the church, but a church is not a business. And a church is not just an organization. A church is a family. Amen. Amen. Absolutely a family. We've been teaching on the subject, ministering on the subject of love, the love of God, for a number of weeks now. And I don't feel that we're released from this yet. And actually in no hurry to. I don't know of anything more important. To go to. Amen. I mean, this is about as important as it gets. When you're talking about love, you're talking about God. God is love. You're talking about walking in love. You're talking about keeping the New Testament commandments. Somebody says, well, faith is is so important. It is, but it works by love. Right? So it just doesn't get much more important than this. But in John 13... And 34, John 13, 34, Jesus is speaking. John 13, 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. What is the New Testament commandment? To love who? One another means fellow Christian. This, this verse is not specifically talking about loving the world. Though God does love the world so much, He gave His only begotten Son, and we care about people that are lost. But that's not the specific command. This command is for me to love you, my fellow Christian, and you to love me and anybody that's really a Christian. Right? And we're to love each other as the Lord loves us. Is that possible? Has the love of God been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost? A supernatural thing. It's not based on what you feel. Sometimes people are misunderstood. They they act like, well, you know, I guess maybe someday you could get perfected in love. Where you could just look at everybody, uh, even no matter how they treat you, and go, oh, I love you. And I just feel wonderful towards you. And you're just so great. And people think if you have any other feelings other than that, then you're not walking in love. Well, no, that's not going to happen in this lifetime. That you get to the place where you can have no feelings other than wonderful feelings. If somebody stabs you in the back, if they hurt you, if they lie on you, if they steal from you, you're not going to feel wonderful about that. I said, well, maybe if I sanctified enough. No, honey, you're not going to feel okay. About that, but here's the good thing. You don't have to act like you feel. 
You're walking in love the strongest when you feel like slapping somebody. But you don't. You feel like giving them a piece of your mind, as they say. And telling them where to get off and where to go and what to do. And you, you can catch yourself in mid-sentence. You can say, let me tell you something. God loves you. And I do. And I'm going to leave and go pray for you somewhere else. Sometimes it's, it's a lot easier to walk in love with somebody somewhere else. <laughs> it gets to the place where you just, it's time to go. Before you say and do something you ought not say and do. That's walking in love. It's not letting your feelings control you. But letting the love of God that's been shed abroad inside you control you. Yielding to that. Doing what you know you should do instead of what you feel like doing. Doing what you know is right instead of what your flesh wants to do. Because we all have flesh. And if somebody slaps you, you're going to want to slap them back. Now, harder. (laughs) Huh? That's flesh. Everybody's got flesh. But you don't have to let that rule you. You don't have to let that control you. You can let the love of God inside you. He goes on to say, verse 35, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Can you see why the enemy works so hard to get Christians and churches and ministries in strife with one another? Because it absolutely destroys our witness to the world. He didn't say, by all the scriptures you can quote, the world will know you're my disciples by you talking in tongues or by you doing this or, or going to church or, or doing this. No. Why, how will people know that you're his disciples? By how I love you and how you love me and how we love the other churches in town and how we love the other ministries that we have any contact with, right? How we treat each other in the body of Christ is one of our one of the bigger parts of our witness to the world. So it's no wonder the devil works overtime trying to get churches to yeah yeah against each other and, and talk and find fault and and, and uh, strife and one of the worst witnesses is a church split. Yes. Huh? And a, and a ministry uprising within a ministry and and splits and overthrow and and, and splits in the family and, 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 you know, divorce happens in churches just like it happens in families, uh, natural families. So uh, how many understand there is power in God for us to stay together, Amen. get past our problems? Yes. Amen. It doesn't mean I'm going to love everything you say and do or that you're going to love everything I say and do. But it doesn't mean I write you off. Right. Amen. Huh? Or you write me off. But that we work it out. We get past it. We stay hooked. Anybody in here been married longer than a year? Raise your hand. Let me see. You've been married longer than a year. Huh? Now put your hand back down. How many of you could have quit? You could have given up. I didn't say you decided you said you were going to, but you could have quit. Yeah. Hands went up all over, and then a bunch of them went down. 
What I mean by that, you don't see anybody that's been married for a long time that hasn't been tempted, hasn't felt, you know, now, you know, maybe they, they wouldn't entertain the idea. You don't have to yield to it. But thoughts come and feelings come. And there's no, no wonder why people are just quitting right and left. We've had some friends of ours not too long back. They said, you know, well, they're getting a divorce. They've only been married a year. And, and, and some of us and our friends thought, they, they don't even know what's going on yet. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? They not been married a year and that's it. We're calling it quits. We can't make it. Irreconcilable differences. Yeah, well, we have a generation of quitters. You understand what I'm talking about? You have to stay with it. You have to stay with God. You have to stay with your family. You have to stay with your spiritual family. Can you say amen? And if it gets rough, well, you just ride it out. Gets hot in the kitchen, well, you roll up your sleeves and you stay there. Right? And you believe and you get through. And on the other side, there's victory. Amen? And there's things that other people don't enjoy. 1 John 3, won't you turn there? Let's look at that this morning. 1 John 3 and verse 14. 1 John 3, 14. Let's, let me lead you in a quick prayer before we read this because we're getting into some of the heart of what I believe we should look at today. Believe with me that you get revelation that you hear not not from Keith, but you hear from God this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence in us, on us, in our midst. Thank you for giving us a church. Thank you for giving us a family. We acknowledge that we, we could do none of this on our own. You've done it. We give you the glory and praise. We ask you, all of us are, are here before you now this morning, uh, wanting to hear, desiring to hear what you have to say to us, desiring to do what you direct us to do, open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and speak to us and quicken us by your word, and we purpose to not be hearers only, but doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say it out loud, I hear from the Lord. I hear from him. And I do what he says. Amen. The only people in the body of Christ that are blessed are the doers. The only people that are blessed, that prosper, that increase, that bear fruit, are the doers. How many doers do I have in here? Doers. So you got you got uh, attendees that are not doers. You got tape players and note takers that are not doers. You understand what I'm talking about? You got folk that go to meetings. That's all they do is go to meetings all over the place and all over the country. But they're not doers. They're not doers. Do everybody. Everybody say doers. Say it out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. You know, it's great that you got a lot of books and tapes. It's great that you got a lot of notes, but that really don't mean a lot unless you act on some of it. Right? Got to act on some of it. 1 John three fourteen. He said, we know that we passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We love who? Brothers. Brothers. That means sister and two, you understand? He that loveth not his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 
See, one of the biggest indicators that a person has really been born again is that they have the love of God in them. One individual described it like this. He said he went to church all his life. And his folks made him go. Mama made him go. He didn't like it. But especially he's a young man at this point. And he just, oh, sister and -and so-and-so, always wants to get up and testify. And it just aggravates him to hear her. Then old brother so-and-so gets up. And he goes on. He thinks, what a hypocrite. And then so-and-so, he don't like to see this. He don't like to hear this. But one day... One service, he got under conviction. He came down to the front of the altar call, got saved. And he got up and he looked around and he saw all sister so-and-so. And she changed. <laughs> she just, what happened to her? He loves her. And there's old brother so-and-so. He's changed too. And he don't mind hearing no brother so-and-so testified now. He likes hearing him, in fact. What happened, really? They changed. Huh? Signing your name on the roll is not what it's about. Shaking the preacher's hand is not what it's about. Being baptized in water is not what it's about. When you've really been born again, the love of God is inside you. And that's the mark of a true Christian. Can you say amen? Amen. Verse 16, hereby perceive we the love of God. Can you see the love of God in action? Can you perceive the love of God in other people's lives? Or will it just all be shut away in their hearts and nobody will know? Oh, no, no. You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you're full of is going to come out. I got a sermon. That's the title of it. What are you full of? As you might imagine, we get to meddling with that one. But if you're full of love, it's going to come out. Amen. Amen. Somebody says, I'm so full of joy. I'm just, I'm full of joy. If you're full of joy, depression doesn't come out. Huh? Well, I'm rejoicing in my heart. <laughs> Deep inside, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm a very reserved individual and I just don't show those things. <laughs> no, you're a bound individual. And you're not full of those things. You get full of joy... It's going to affect your face. It's going to affect what comes out of your mouth. You get full of love, it's going to affect what you do and how you talk and how you deal and how you respond. Can you say amen? Amen. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Hmm? You won't just sit on your hands. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I believe all that. Well, just keep hanging around. Just keep hanging around and get full and you'll find out for yourself. Amen. Amen. Till then, don't knock it till you find out. We perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Does every Christian have a duty? Huh? To do in a measure for our fellow Christian 
what the Lord has done for us. Is that just for ministers? Does every, hear, hear me now good, does every Christian have a responsibility to do for their brothers what Jesus did for them? Yeah. I don't think this has been preached maybe like it should have been. We, we have a whole society and worldwide masses of Christianity that think the entirety of their Christian duty is fulfilled in coming to church and sitting on the seat. I go to church. And in their, in their mind, that's it. Hey, I went to the trouble. I could have laid in bed and slept. I went to the trouble. I got up. I dressed myself and it ain't even my work day. And I brought myself down here. I even put $5 in the offering bucket. I've done my deal, buddy. <laughs> Have you now? No. There is Christian service. Uh-oh, it got quiet on me. Did you hear that? There was a, there was a great calm. <laughs> Don't get scared. How many understand Christianity is not about you supporting your church? Christianity is not about you believing in Keith and Phyllis. It's not about you supporting Faith Life Church. It's about you serving your God. This is between you and God. It's about you doing what you were created to do. Fulfilling the purpose of your life. And as a Christian, that will include service. Everybody say service. Service. I serve God. My, my call, my place, I serve God by teaching and preaching and having meetings and laying hands on people. How do you serve God? Do you hear what I'm saying? You say, well, I'm not a preacher. That's got nothing to do with it. Well, I go to church. Well, I do too. You come into church, a lot of that is you getting served. Huh? We're serving you this morning. People serving the Lord are serving you by taking care of your kids back there today. Amen. Right? Yes, right? You're being served in here. Hmm? And how many understand that what I'm talking about, though, that so many Christians have the idea is that they're making a great sacrifice to even come. <laughs> yeah. And they would walk through the door and go, I'm here. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> We're glad you're here. But mature Christians understand service. Right? Now babies don't. And we don't expect too much from babies. If you just got saved, you know, last week, well, we're not, you know, thinking that you ought to be safe in the world by tomorrow. You should be fed. You should be nurtured and nourished. But somebody that's been just sitting on a seat for 25 years, that's all they've done? Well, maybe I better go see if there's another message here for me to preach. Y'all got any other notes over there? Boy? No. One reason I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this, other than the Lord leading us to do it, is that there is no way to grow up and develop as a Christian apart from service. No way. 
If you don't serve the body of Christ. Everybody say serve the body. If you don't serve the body, you cannot develop. You won't grow up and become a mature Christian. We, we have millions of Christians that are babies. They've been born again for 40 years, but they're still a baby Christian. Never developed. And you should be fed. You, you, you must be fed, but how many know it, it takes more than eating to develop physically? You got to what? Exercise. And I know, looking back over my own life, you know, people so many times think, well, I, I don't know what to do. I didn't either when I started. No preacher I know or no Christian I know that's done good service for the Lord that knew what to do when they started. Phyllis was reminding me the other day, we went to this large meeting and, and we were just barely getting started in the things of God. And after the service, they said, would y'all come and help minister? It was a big meeting and they had a lot of people respond to the altar call. Would y'all come and help lead these people get filled with the Holy Ghost? And, and, and they gave a bunch of them to Phyllis. And she thought, huh? She grew up in a denomination and she just barely saved herself. And she thought, what am I going to do? But she didn't say no. She said, okay, help me, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, uh, thing after thing, when, when I went to Ramah, they came one day and, and said, you know, we want you to speak next Thursday. I had told them, well, anything, you know, we can do for you. We're, we'd be glad to help. They said, all right, I want you to speak next Thursday. I said, okay. And then they left. <laughs> and I started thinking, what have I done? <laughs> I mean, I, I think I had gotten up and shared my testimony or spoken like five minutes or something two or three times. And I, had, I, I wasn't going to be a preacher. I was going to be a fighter. Yeah, that's all I did for you, you know, train and train. I could kick you real hard. But I couldn't tell you about scriptures. And they've been hearing, the, the people in this place where I was going to speak, they've been hearing Brother Kenneth Hagin every day. And when he wasn't there, they heard people like Kenneth Copeland or Gloria Copeland, or they heard Charles Cap, or they heard Jerry, Jerry Savelle, and the list went on. And next Thursday, it's me. <laughs> I drove back to our little apartment down in shoot 'em up alley. My little '69 Chevy pickup, and and uh, the devil got in the truck with me. Let me know what I'm talking about. He said, "You're crazy, man. You can't do this. What are you thinking? This was healing school. These people don't need a a novice like you trying to do something. They they got serious problems. They need to be healed." They don't need somebody like you. And I thought, you're right. You're sure right. <laughs> How many of that's bad? Agreeing with the devil. Right. Letting him ride in your truck is bad. <laughs> but it's even worse to sit up in there and go, yeah, you're right. Sure right. I don't know what I could do. Why in the world? As soon as I get home. Because we didn't have cell phones in those days. As <laughs> soon as I get home, I'm going to call them and say, hey, this is a bad idea. But I got home and I reached over, picked the phone and started to call them and tell them, hey, you know, this is a mistake. I shouldn't have told you that. I'm, I'm not able. I'm not, I don't know anything. What can I tell those folk? I got no experience. They don't need somebody like me. And uh, the Lord dealt with me. He said, have you prayed about this? I said, no. 
He said, don't you think you ought to pray and ask me about it? I said, yeah. I put the phone back down. And I went and got in the closet. Crawled, literally crawled in it. Shut the door. It was dark in there. And uh, I carried on for a while. I said, oh, God, you know. And finally, I, I ran out of steam and got quiet. And the Lord began to speak to my heart. He said, son, do you remember? I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me very, very distinctly, still small voice. He said, do you remember the little boy's lunch? Five loaves and two fish. I thought, yeah. He said, I can take a little and do a lot with it. I thought, well, you sure can. He said, you feel like you've got so little. And compared to somebody like Dr. Hagen that's been walking in the Word for decades and decades, you, you don't have everything in you word-wise that he does. He said, but he didn't either when he started. How did he get to this place? He said, you take what you have and you lift it up and you thank me for it. And you believe me to multiply it to meet the need. Well, I did. With fear and trembling, I stood up that day. And I lifted it up. And I felt like all I had was one sardine and a half a cracker. (laughs) And I thought, I can tell this in two minutes. And then what am I going to do? But I didn't do that. I acted in faith. I lifted it up and I said, Lord, we thank you for this bounty. (laughs) And we ask you to multiply to meet the needs. And I started to share the little bit that I had. And thank God he did just what he said. He began to multiply it. Other scriptures begin to come to my remembrance. Illustrations begin to come to my remembrance. Next thing I know, I'd spoken 45 minutes. And the people were smiling, acting like they were getting something. And it had to be a miracle. <laughs> Somebody said, why do you tell all that? Because people have the idea, I don't know anything, so I can't do anything. I've got no experience, so I can't help, so I can't serve. Nothing could be further from the truth. Right. How are you going to develop? you got to start. Where, if you don't start where you are, you stay where you are. You've got to humble yourself, too. They also asked me not long after that, they said, because uh, they'd heard me banging on the piano, and they said, well, why don't you play the piano for us in the afternoon service? Well, there was hundreds and hundreds of people at these services every day, and I, I had told them, I'll help you any way I can. I said, okay, yeah. And same thing, it, it, almost worse this time, I thought, oh, what did I say? Because I really couldn't play. I, somebody had taught me some chord progressions. And I'd go sit in the room and bang on it. Boom, 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 praying the Holy Ghost. Boom, boom. And now they want me to play for the service. It did. And I told them, I did on this, I said, now guys, I said, uh, I can't play much. They said, well, you, I said, no, I'm not trying to be humble. I can't really play. they said well just do the best you can (laughs) now the reason I'm sharing is because a lot of people wouldn't do that too proud did you hear me if I can't do it a certain way or at a certain level 
Mm-mm, I'm sorry, no, I can't do it. No, you're, you're saying it wrong. It's not you can't do it, you won't do it. You refuse to do it. Because you, you want to make things adapt to you. And if you don't start where you are, you'll stay where you are. And it's not comfortable. I mean, I got out there and I thumped on that piano. And I messed up. I've always had good ears. The Lord blessed me with good ears so I could hear everywhere I'm missing it. That's not good. No, that's not good either. But they didn't, they didn't say, yeah, you're right. You can't play. We've got to get somebody else. They just left me in there. And so we thumped and we thumped and we thought, and, and once in a while I'd look up, place would be packed, man, you know? And I look around and I see somebody that's an excellent pianist. <laughs> and you know, you, you, in your mind, you're thinking, they got to be thinking, is that the best they can do? Why don't they get somebody that can actually play? But we did it and stayed with it and improved. And got better, and got better, and got better. Amen. And the next thing you know, I'm in crusades with Dr. Hagen, doing specials for him. In huge, gigantic meetings, tens of thousands. I wonder if I had been unwilling to start, though. What if I'd have said, I can't do that. I'm too embarrassed. I can't get up and share. I'm too embarrassed. I don't know enough scripture. Nobody does when they start. How do you think you learn? I can't pray for that man to be healed. I don't know how. I didn't know how either when I started. Nobody you're going to meet knew everything when they started. But you have to have the heart and the humility and the commitment to say, I'll do what I can. Here I am, such as it is. Right? And step out. When you step out and you act, then you give God something to bless. You give Him something to anoint. He can't anoint nothing. Huh? How's He going to anoint you sitting at home watching TV? You got to get up and go over to the hospital. Right? Yeah, you might not pray everything just right. You might not do everything just right. But the Lord knows that. And he looks at the heart. Doesn't he? And you give him something to bless. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Talking about believers, not preachers. What if you never lay hands on anybody? Hmm? You never made any mistakes. Nobody ever, ever got healed. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Everybody say service. Service. Go with me, please. Well, we didn't finish reading this. Let's keep reading it. He said, uh, Whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? The love of God motivates you to meet the need of your brother. Doesn't it? If the love of God is in you and big and you see your brother, you see your sister in lack of something, hurting Needing something, you have a strong desire to do something about it. Is that right? Do you have a strong desire to do something about the needs of your brothers and sisters? That was too weak. 
Now, I hope you understand where we're going with this. You're going to keep hearing about this. You understand? You've heard about it before, right? I'm not, I'm not pulling on you. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not pulling on you. I'm not trying to condemn you. If you're not doing something, I want you to get the vision of the Bible inside you. Amen. Get the vision of what a real Christian is. Amen? Yeah. If you're really born again, you got the love of God in you. What does that love motivate you to do? Have you ever had the compassion of the Lord come up in you? You hear about somebody? Uh, Phyllis and I were talking about some children the other day, and they didn't have a certain thing. And, and both of us thought, how can we fix that? Now, sympathy just feels sorry for people. Oh, isn't that bad? That's, that's, not, that's no good. Compassion, though, is moved to do something about it. Hmm? Let's change it. They don't have food, let's get them some food. Right? Don't have any clothes, let's get them some clothes. Let's fix it. When you're full of the love of God, then you're, that's one reason why you're believing to be rich. One of the biggest reasons. You can't fix stuff that requires money and you got no money. Right? And if it's taking all the faith you've got to believe to pay your electric bill, then how are you going to have a world vision and help everybody else? Well, you can't. But God can get you to the place where all your stuff is done. All your stuff is paid for. I mean, it just doesn't take much of your faith at all to take care of your stuff. You're blessed. And you have extra. You're able to look around. Amen. And you hear about a need. You hear about a situation. And you say, Lord, you want me to do something about that? Because you can. I said, because you can. You want me to take care of that? All of it? Half of it? Part of that? What do you want me to do, Lord? Here am I. Send me. Use me. Not because somebody's riding you. You want to. You desire to. How many have ever been used of God to help meet somebody's need? Did you enjoy it? Huh? Is it truly, in the words of Jesus, more blessed to give than to receive? Is it joy? There's nothing else more enjoyable on the planet. Then watching the burden, financial burden come off of somebody when you look at them and say, we're going to take care of that. Just forget about it. We're going to take care of that. They go, really? Yeah. 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 We're going to help you with that. Is that just for preachers? No, no, no. This, this huge disparity and this separate set of rules for clergy versus laity should be reexamined. These verses are not preacher verses, they're believer verses. They belong to everybody, and all of us have ministry, all of us have service to do. Can you say amen? Amen. Different ways God can use you to help meet others' needs, and when you're full enough of the love of God, that is your desire. He went on to say, little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in what? Deed means in action, in works, action, deeds. Everybody say love in action. And he said in truth. Now go back with me to Ephesians, please, the second chapter. Ephesians 2. Now as we talk about these things, let me encourage you and warn you, don't let any condemnation come in 
Right? Don't let any. If you let condemnation come in, it will defeat what you're hearing. It will undermine the purpose of, of what's going on here this morning. No, we're not, we're not shaking a finger at anybody. If I point a finger at you, I'd have to point one to myself. I mean, all of us could have done more and could have done different things. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about being a real Christian. And we're not talking about somebody making us do anything. We're talking about what we desire to do. What we live to do. And what we, what we enjoy doing. Paul said, I would gladly spend and be spent for you. Very gladly. Everybody say, no condemnation. Say it again, no condemnation. One more time. How much? None. Are we feeling bad about the past? No, no. If you messed up, ask God to forgive you. He will. If you came short, should have done things you didn't do, ask Him to forgive you. If you made mistakes, ask Him to forgive you and receive the forgiveness. You can't go back. You can't do anything about yesterday. It's gone. You can do something about today. Can do something about tomorrow. How many know, understand, life is short? Oh, it is short. Whew. How many of you, you know, in your 70s, your 80s, your 90s, and, and it don't seem like that long ago you were a teenager? You know, I mean, it, it's a vapor. It's here and it's gone. Next thing you know, you'll look up, your life will be over. Hmm? Or Jesus will come even sooner than that. You live down here a hundred years plus. It's nothing. It's a vapor. It's here. It's gone. So you and I don't need to float along in a lull. Do we? Get up, get dressed, go to work, come back home, wash the dishes and make the bed and get up and go to work and just think, this is it. This is life. I'm going to do this forever. No, you're not. No, you're not. Life is short. And when we stand up before the judgment seat of Christ, there's only one thing that's going to matter. Did we do? Everybody say do. Did we do what we were put on the planet to do? Did we do it? And what, what are we here to do? What's the New Testament commandment? Love each other. Love each other. Hmm? Help each other. Meet somebody's need. Help take a burden off somebody. Help them get healed. Help them get back to God. Help them get their marriage worked out. Huh? Help them with their kids. Whatever it is. Cut their grass. Wash their car. Anything that's done in love has eternal impact. Lasts forever. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it will be remembered and you will be rewarded and it will be an eternal crown. Amen. Jesus said, if you give somebody a cup of cold water, why do you say it like that? Because that's a seemingly small thing. Even a cup of of cold water to somebody because they are mine, because they're one of mine. He said, there is no way you will lose that reward. Isn't that serious? Jesus said, you visit people in the hospital. He said, you did it to me. You visit people in prison, talking about believers. You visit believers in prison. He said, you did it to me. You clothe a believer. You did it to me. You feed a believer. You did it to me. Jesus said that. How many are interested in these things? Good, good. Ephesians 2, are you there? In Ephesians 2, 
and verse 8. He said, for by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, by grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, these works we're talking about don't save us, right? We're not, we're not doing this to get saved. Hmm? But, but does that mean we shouldn't have works? No, keep reading. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto what? What are we created for? We've been born again. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Everybody needs to see that now. Are you looking at that? We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for what? Unto good works. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. What's God's plan for our life? Good works. Has he laid it out for us? Predestined us to it. To do what? Good works. Somebody said, well, y'all are just do-gooders. Thank you. We do good. It's better than doing evil. But we should do good without the holier-than-thou attitude. Do good without the I'm superior to you Ugliness. Do good and judge not. Do good and ask for nothing in return. Does the Lord have good works that he's predestined you to walk in? Have you been walking in them? You think there's more to walk in? Yeah. I love the Amplified in this. In fact, the Lord gave Phyllis and I this scripture. I have it written down here. Before we got here to Branson... What was it? Almost two years ago now, the Lord dealt with us. He gave this verse to us. This is one of the ones he gave to us that we quoted every day and confessed over ourselves every day. Didn't know we were going to be in Branson now, but we knew something was up. We knew something was going on. And, and this we read out of the Amplified 2.10. We are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. That we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Does God have things prearranged for you? Laid out for you. Is it good? It is you receiving good and enjoying good. And do you stop there? No, 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 no. And and what after that? Doing good. Everybody say doing good. Good works. Good works. Good works. Jesus went about doing good and healing All that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with you. We've already had some good testimonies from Friday night about people that got healed. I'm talking about just, what, day or so ago. That's doing good. We're going to keep on doing that. What else is doing good? Teaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. I'll do it in here. You do it at the cafe. You do it at the wash house. Or the beauty parlor. 
Whatever you call it. What else is good works? All anything that affects the kingdom of God is a good work. Vacuuming the floor. Washing the sink. Blowing off the driveway. Everybody say good works. Good works. Ephesians 4, you're, you're there. I've read this to you probably a half dozen times since the church has started. This verse I'm about to read now. But I want to read it to you from different translations. And I want us to think about it and see our purpose. I tell you, before you, before you read that, go to Hebrews. Excuse me. Hold your place in Ephesians 4. Go to Hebrews. The 10th chapter. Hold your place in Hebrews 4. Excuse me. Ephesians 4. Go to Hebrews 10. Why should we come to church? Should we come to church? Well, it's good that you think so, but you know, we, we should have scripture about it. Not just somebody's opinion. Ah, you ought to come to church. You ought to come to church. Why'd y'all lay out of church? Hadn't been to church, have you? Oh, shame on you. We don't do that here. Amen. And we're not going to start. Amen. Why? Not coming to church is not the problem. It's why don't you want to? Did you hear me? Why don't you want to? Why is everything else so much more important to you that you don't have time for this? And what people don't realize, again, it's not a church thing. It's not a Keith and Phyllis thing. It's a God thing. When they're saying, well, I don't have time to church. Well, tell it to him. Don't tell me. Tell him. And see if he agrees with you. And if he tells you it's okay, I'm cool with it. You understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. See, people people want to make it a between me and you deal. It's not, and 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 men ministers and women make mistake all the time because they'll take that and go, well, no, let me talk you into it and let me do this. That's not that's not our job. Amen. Listen, if people won't listen to God, don't be shocked when they don't listen to you. Amen. If they won't obey Him, don't get mad and fall off your chair because they won't do what you say. You know how I know that? <laughs> Lord corrected me one time on that. I was just like two years into the ministry. And the Lord, the Lord woke me up in the nighttime, gave me something for somebody. And I went to them and sat down and talked to them about it. It was good. It was an answer to something that they were going through. And, and they just flat shut me down. I mean, like turning the light switch off. And I left and I felt insulted. I thought, God. I went and sat down in my office. I remember. And I just crossed my arms. I said, Lord. He said, son, don't take it so personal. That wasn't your idea. I woke you up. I gave you that. I sent you there with it. He said, they rejected me, not you. I thought, ooh, that's more serious. I better pray for them. See, it makes you see it completely differently, doesn't it? Now, Hebrews 10, are you there? Hebrews 10 and verse 22. He's talking about remission of sin. We have been washed. We have been born again. 
And since you are, he said, let us draw near. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Have we been saved? Have we been washed? Then aren't we to have free access to the throne and boldness and confess our faith? Yeah. Yeah. But what's next? Verse 24, what? And. Everybody say and. And. Is there more to Christianity than just knowing that you're saved and confessing you're a Christian? I mean, that's wonderful. That's great. But is there an and? I mean, we're washed, we're cleansed, we're confessing Christians, and, and, say and. And. Let us consider what? One another is Christianity only about you and God. No, it's not. It's you and God and you and your brother. And to provoke unto love and to what? Good works. Should I provoke you? So if we don't know about that's a good word or not. Somebody thought I've already been provoking you this morning. Should you provoke me? In a good way. What, what does it mean? What does that mean? Provoke. Stir, yeah, challenge is a good word. Stir up. Hmm? Inspire. How's that? Oh, we're getting into some good stuff now. Now keep reading and I'll back up and pick up on this verse. He said, let us consider one another to do what? Provoke each other. Prod each other. Challenge either stir each other up to do what? We should see somebody do something in the church and go, whoo, man. Boy, that's walking in love. That's being a blessing. Glory to God. I'm going to do that. Man, they're ahead of me. Not for long. Huh? They outdid me on that one. Not for long. Right? Now, you know, when, when you see somebody excel you, you'll do one of two things, won't you? You'll either harden your heart, and you'll get jealous and envious, and you'll make excuses why you hadn't already done it. That's pride. Or you'll humble yourself. Did you hear me? And acknowledge that they're ahead of you. But you'll have faith that you can catch up Amen. and maybe pass them. Yeah. Someone said, that's, that's competition. That's what he's talking about. But not in a bad way. Yeah. Instead of trying to outdo each other just in natural things, outdoing each other walking in love. Yeah. Instead of trying to keep up with the Jones in material stuff, keeping up with each other in doing good works. Amen. Some minister friends of mine and myself, we've done this kind of thing. Get in a meeting and the Holy Ghost is, is moving and you can tell he's wanting a certain thing to be done. And somebody said, well, I'm going to give $10,000. Didn't say it to be sure enough, but somebody said, oh, he ain't going to outdo me. I'm going to do 20. My said, well, I'm going you know, to believe for a seat. Well, I'm going to believe for two. Now, you can get off with this. You understand? You could get off. But there is a holy and a good way. 
And how can you tell that it's good? If somebody does that, do you? You're glad. You go from that great glory. I'm right behind you, though. He goes on to say, provoking the love and good works. Verse 25, what? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Even back then, people didn't go to church. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's one big reason why we ought to come together. Regularly. Because it's easy for you to stay off in your own little fishbowl and think you're doing so wonderful and amazing. But when we all get together and we see how God is using this brother and how God, what God's doing for this sister and how God has blessed this one and what God has done, we realize, hey, i got a ways to come up. Right? And if you'll humble yourself and say, Lord, bring me up to that. Yeah, get me to the place where I can do that too. Bring And don't harden yourself and go, well, if I had friends like theirs, I'd do that too. If I had contacts like that, I would too. If I had a mom I had money like hers, I guess I would too. You'll never be blessed thinking like that. Begrudging somebody else's success. Why do we come to church? We come in here and we read these testimonies too, don't we? We go, hey, so-and-so believed for this and it came in. So-and-so received this. And everybody else go, yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm right behind you, brother. Provoking each other. So-and-so baked a cake and took it over to the person in in the hospital. Yeah, so-and-so brought them some ribs and potato salad. (laughs) Well, so-and-so dropped in there and paid for their car payment. Well, somebody came and paid their house off. Somebody said, oh, that kind of stuff don't happen. It is happening. It's happening in this church. But we ain't seen nothing yet. About what's going to happen. You talk about people walking in love. And people giving. And people blessing. Amen. Somebody have a challenge. And 12 church members jump on it with their faith at once. And just blast the devil out of the water. Just I mean faith and love just surround to it. The devil just don't have a chance. Somebody walk through the door, led by the Holy Ghost, don't know God, don't even know what they're doing here. Before they get out of here, both pockets full of money. Twelve hugs and lipstick marks on both sides of their face. (laughs) Going, wow, these people act like they like me. The love of God is unmistakable. It's undeniable. It's inescapable. And it cannot fail. Cannot fail. Go back to Ephesians, please. Ephesians 4. What's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of being a Christian? What's, what's our main thing? Is it just to come and, and, and be blessed and go home and do our weekly routine? And is that all there is to do? Somebody says, well, I'm so busy, Brother Keith. I'm busy making donuts from... Early to late. I'm busy stocking grocery shelves. I'm, I'm busy fixing flats. I mean, it takes all my time. Well, okay, it's great. I mean, donuts and flats can be a service to the brothers. But is that all your ministry? Is that all your service to the body of Christ? Or is there other service too? 
In Ephesians 4, are you there? Ephesians 4 and verse 7, 4, 7, to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. How many? Just the preachers? Everybody has grace. Does everybody have a ministry? Does everybody have a calling? You know, it's amusing to me sometimes because people say, well, my ministry is giving. Well, that's cool. All of us are supposed to be givers. People say, well, I'm a giver, so that means I don't do anything else. You got a number of wealthy people like this. They don't want to fool with it, so they'll send you a check. But see, that that's not okay with God. Did you hear me? Well, I'm a giver. That's, that's my ministry. Is that all of your ministry? All of us are supposed to be givers. Well, I'm a prayer. All of us are supposed to be prayers. Did you hear me? I realize some people give themselves more to prayer than others, but all of us are supposed to be prayers. All of us are supposed to be givers. Keep reading. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And in verse 11, he begins listing off some of those gifts. Apostles. Is apostle a gift? Prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, these are all gifts that from God to the people. Gifts. What's the purpose of these gifts? Now see, for uh, for centuries, people have preached and believed in the church that the purpose of the uh, ministry gifts is to do all the work of the ministry. It's the preacher's job to do all the counseling, to do all the praying, to do all the uh, visitation, to do all that. And that's what people pay him for. But that's not what this verse says. And the problem with that is the people in the, in the seat never develop. They, they never do any service, and so they never develop, and they stay babies. Yeah. How did Phyllis and I learn what we've learned about counseling people and hearing from God to give people wisdom and counsel, or, or believing for anointing to lay hands on people, or believing for money to help? How did we learn to do that? By doing it. Right? And as you do it year after year after year, you get better at it. And you get stronger in it. And even though you may not ever stand behind a pulpit and bring a message like we're talking today, that doesn't mean you don't have this ministry. You have a ministry. Everybody say, I have a ministry. ministry. He goes on to say, why are these gifts given? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Let me read these to you in other... uh, of the translations. And I'm thinking about closing. He's, one translation says, fitting, why, why are these uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, why are they given? To fit the saints for the work of ministering. Who's going to be doing the work of ministering? The saints. And the ministry gifts help fit them for that. Well, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, you can see what's going on. I mean, what are we doing today? We're endeavoring to stir you up, amen, to equip you with the word, feed your faith. So what? So we can go back and wait for another Sunday? No, so we, so we can serve. So that when you meet somebody that don't know the Lord, you have faith and, and are able to lead them to the Lord. You, you meet somebody that's having trouble with sickness, you, you have faith and have some word in you. Right? He said, another one says, 
to equip the saints to labor in their appointed service in order to fully equip his people for the work of serving. To equip God's people for work in his service. That Christians might be properly equipped for their service. Are you hearing a recurring theme here? This one says, to get his holy people ready to serve as workers. Workers. You understand, my friend, this church is not about having a handful of people that's doing the work of the ministry and 90% come and sit and leave. We want everybody working. Everybody working. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, He said, You are the light of the world. That's us. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Are people going to see more good works out of us? Yes, they are. Close your eyes. Let me pray over you, then we'll lead you in a prayer. Lord, there's so much we we don't know about these things. But we are purposed not to be do-nothings. Folk that just come and sit, or I just come and talk, or people come just listen and that's it. We're not hearers only, we're doers. We act on the Word. And we know as we do, our life will be fuller. There will be more joy. There will be more satisfaction than ever before. Said out loud before the Lord, Father God, I am available to you. I acknowledge I am called to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. Everything you give me is ultimately to share and to help another with. I make myself available. My spirit, my soul, my mind, my body, my money, my stuff, my time, I put into your hand and I say, use me whenever wherever, for whomever you would. I'm available. Use me. Make me a blessing. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.